0: Hey everybody,
1: welcome to downtown Waxahachie, Texas. We are on the steps of the old Ellis County Courthouse here, which I love to take some time to look at from time to time. My background is in art and architecture, so there's a lot about this building that's special to me. One of the things that I like about it is a story that goes with one of the stone workers who did all of the intricate carving and stonework around the building. It's a story that's true as far as who it is and when it happened, but there's a legend about what happened exactly with him. So in 1894, a man named Harry Hurley came to Waxahachie to be the stone carver and worker here. He brought with him a team of German artists and they began to do the work around the courthouse that made it so beautiful. While he was here, he met a woman named Mabel Frame. And the legend says, that Harry fell in love with her and became so enamored with her that he began to put her face into the carvings around the courthouse. So if you look around the courthouse today, you'll see these beautiful feminine faces that are, legend says, her face. So as time passed, Mabel did not return the affection of Harry Hurley. And this broke his heart. So much so that it changed how he worked here at the courthouse. He began not carving beautiful feminine faces anymore, but he began to carve twisted, distorted, ugly faces into his work. And the legend says this is because he was hurt so deeply by her rejection of his affection. It broke his heart. It made him angry. It made him bitter and it set his heart in a stone, fixed place of anger. And it fixed forever into the artwork of the courthouse, her face as twisted, distorted, and sometimes even looking demonic. You know, the events that come into our life have a way of shaping us. It's not so much the events as much as it is our response to the events. And God will bring events into our life to draw our heart to Him. Not to hurt us, not to crush us, not to make us bitter, but to bring us to a place of surrender. He will even allow cave moments in our life, times of isolation, times of limitation, times of loss, times of change, so that it might capture our heart, so that it might draw our heart to Him so that it might change us into the very image of our Lord Jesus Christ, because that's the work that God is doing in our heart. Now we've been following the character David in the scripture. We have watched how he has gone from a young boy chosen by Samuel to be king, to replace the wicked King Saul, and we've been following him on a journey. And as you read through the chapters that describe the journey, you kind of get this impression that it happened in a matter of weeks. In reality, it happened over a much longer process. And the scripture gives us a marker to help us know how long the process was. So let's start back a little bit in time because it's when Samuel goes to the house of Jesse that he finds the young David. It's estimated that David is 13, 14 or 15 at this point. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's 15 at that moment where he is anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. 15. We see him as we follow him in the story. It's not long after that that he faces Goliath, most likely around 17, because he's still too young to be in the army. After that, he is brought into Saul's household. He's made part of his household He begins to serve there and even becomes a leader, probably in his 20s at this point. As time passes, he grows, Saul begins to reject him. Saul begins to be jealous of David as people begin to sing their songs that say, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And so Saul begins to pursue David. Saul chases David into caves. David hides out and in his twenties, he's going through this time where he has to remove his parents from where he's hiding. He goes on through a time where he's hiding in a cave as we saw in our last message where he has an opportunity to take Saul's life but he chooses not to and listens to the Spirit of God speak to him. If you follow him forward in Scripture you find that David goes through many other difficult times. He goes through some time where he loses some of his family. They are attacked. He goes through a time where the best friend he had loses his life. He goes through a time when Samuel loses his life. And all of this walks forward and we find finally in 2 Samuel chapter 5 a marker. We get a moment where we get an idea of the time that has passed. 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 4 says, David was 30 years old when he began to reign. Giving David the benefit of the doubt at 15, we now know it's 30 when he finally comes to reign on the throne. 15 years from the day He was anointed to the day He sits on the throne. 15 years He's waiting for a dream to become a reality. 15 years He's waiting for faith to become sight. 15 years He's going through pain and suffering and hiding and waiting and wondering, is what God said ever going to come true? 15 years you follow Him in Scripture Have you ever had a dream, a promise, a hope, a vision that God gave you, and you're still waiting for it to come to pass? If so, then you'll find some help in our story today because we're going to follow David and see what it was that helped him get from 15 to 30 and not lose his faith, from 15 to 30 and not become bitter 15 to 30 and not have his heart set in stone with anger and resentment toward others and toward God. So join us today as we go on a journey with young David. So David's path to the throne would require great faith. Anytime you're walking with God, it requires faith. In fact, without faith, that journey is impossible. It's not just important, it is essential. If you do not have faith, you cannot walk with God. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And those who have faith must believe that He is God and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. This is how you make it 15 years from promise to reality, is you trust God by faith. Now the Bible has, uh, of course, a lot to say to us about faith. And probably one of the most well-known verses comes to us from Hebrews 11. It says that in verse I'm sorry, in verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, the New King James uses the word hope, but in our language today, we don't have the same definition for hope that was originally used. We think of hope today as something that might come true. But when the Bible spoke of hope, it speaks in terms of Confidence and certainty. In fact, I like to use the word anticipation. It is the anticipation that something will happen, that God will do what He has said. And for us in our modern dialect today and language use of words, hope and anticipation are a little different. For example, when I was a teenager, I hoped I would get married. I hoped I would meet someone beautiful. I hoped I would meet a godly young woman. But the day I met Heather, that all changed because I knew I had met someone who was beautiful and loved the Lord and that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And as we dated and as we got to the point where we proposed or I proposed and she said yes, all of a sudden hope changed and there began to be anticipation anticipation for the day of a reality, and it did become a reality. In fact, on June 2nd, Heather and I will celebrate 30 years together. There was a difference from hope to anticipation. So after we'd been married, really not very long, we had hoped we would have children, but soon hope turned into anticipation because Heather was pregnant, and then we were looking forward to a reality, and we began to anticipate that day. Anticipation is different than hope. And God blessed us with five kids. And God provided beautiful spouses for them as well, for four of them. And they began to have children. And Heather not always hoped for the day we would become grandparents, but as each one announced to us that they were pregnant or expecting, all of a sudden that hope that we had turned into anticipation because there was a reality coming. So when God works in our life and He calls us to faith, He calls us to that kind of anticipation. So real faith has that kind of anticipation. Real faith doesn't just say, well, I hope God will be with me. No, faith says, I am confident God is with me. I am anticipating Him to work in my life. Hope hope says, well, it might come to pass Anticipation says, no, I know God is working my life. It will come to pass what He has promised. Hope sometimes thinks about things and daydreams about the future. But anticipation believes with confidence this thing is going to come to pass. Anticipation fills my mind where I'm thinking about a subject all the time. Anticipation brings me to the place where I'm focused on what God has said to me. Anticipation is looking all around for God to be present in my life. Anticipation looks around at the events that are happening and says, I know God's at work. I know God is here. I know God is going to provide. And this becomes the secret for how David makes it for 15 years from promise to reality, because David had more than just a hope. David had real faith. David had anticipation of the day he would sit on the throne. He knew there'd be a day that though he was in a cave now, he would be a king then. And he looked for it and he longed for it with great anticipation. And this is how you stay on the path while you're seeking God's will. So our message today is called Anticipation Over Frustration. You know, this is where faith enters in and changes us. Now I get it. Life is filled with frustrations. I know that. I I walk in that. I understand that. It's one thing to have daily frustrations. It's quite another to live frustrated. To live continually frustrated, anxious, upset, angry, and bitter. Anticipation changes us from being frustrated people. So to find what helped David live with anticipation over frustration, we have to go back. We have to go back to the beginning. We have to see where this all started for David and that's in 1 Samuel 16 verse 13. Something happens when Samuel goes to his house and he sees all of his brothers and Samuel chooses David, something happens in the next moment that gives David the anticipation he's going to need. In verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. In a very symbolic, sacred act, Samuel the prophet took oil, poured it on young David's head as a picture to him and to his brothers and to his father. This young man has been chosen by God and this oil represents God's choosing, God's presence, God's calling upon his life. This means that what he has anointed, you can anticipate to come to reality and so David will forever remember this moment. Your anointing unlocks your anticipation. So this will be key for David as he walks through some frustrations. He'll always remember this moment. In fact, the way the Bible describes it it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon David at that moment. Something changed in him. From that moment forward he didn't see himself the way he used to. He saw himself differently. He knew the presence of God was with him, for him, and at work in him. He was anointed, he was set apart, he was chosen. And you might think, well man, you know, if someone came to me and had a message like that, if someone came to me and I was anointed by God and I knew what my destination was and I knew He was with me and I knew I could be confident in Him, you know, I might be like David. I might be able to survive some cave moments. I might be able to, to walk through frustration. I might be able to survive 15 years of not seeing it all come to pass yet. Well, I have good news because as we as believers now living on the other side of the cross and living on the other side of the book of Acts, there has been an experience that has happened. What was symbolic in the Old Testament came to reality in the New Testament. The day you put your faith in Jesus Christ and followed Him, you were changed. You became the temple of the Holy Spirit. Something new happened in you that day. And the New Testament tells us something about what happened to us in that moment. We were filled with the Holy Spirit and we received an anointing. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, tells us something about an anointing that you and I have received. It says in verse 20, For all the promises of God in Him, Jesus, are, yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God, Through us. Verse 21. Now, he who establishes us with you is Christ and has anointed us is God. The one who has anointed us is God. You have been sealed, it goes on in verse 22, and have been given the Spirit in your hearts as a guarantee. So young David had some oil poured on him, symbolic of the Spirit. You have had the actual Spirit of God poured into you today. You have become the dwelling place for the Spirit of God. Young David needed a picture reminder, you and I have a different reminder. We have the Spirit of God in us who speaks to us. This is our reminder today. Young David had been anointed for a position where he would reign. You and I have been anointed for a different place we'll reign In fact, the Bible says that you and I, the minute we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we were seated at the right hand of the Father where He is reigning. You have already been anointed and made a king in His kingdom. You have already been seated with Him in Christ. You can rely on your anointing. In the same way that you say, well, how am I going to have my anticipation and my frustration? You do the exact same thing that David did. You go back and say, you know what? I have been anointed by God with his Holy Spirit and this gives me anticipation. If he put his spirit in me, then I know he's got a plan for me. If he put his spirit in me, I know he's going to finish what he started. He's going to bring me forward to what he's promised. He can't deny himself and therefore, he can't deny me. I can rely on my anointing and know I will see the promises of God come to pass in my life. This is how you build anticipation. You go back and you rely and you recognize and you lean into the fact that you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. You know, the, um, the greatest people you know in your life that you consider people of faith all went through some difficult times in their life. They all went through some cave moments. They all went through their frustration and they leaned into their anticipation. They leaned on their anointing. That's what got them through it. That's what got young David through it. Not everybody who goes through a cave moment, however, comes out healthy on the other side. Sadly there are those who go through trials and the trials really do break them. They go through cave moments and the cave moments change them and not for the better. They end up further away from God. They end up in greater anxiety, greater depression, greater loss into the world. But the Bible says that it's how we respond to our cave moments that makes the difference. There's a chapter in the New Testament, this Hebrews 11 we've looked at, that gives a description of people who trusted God even in their most difficult and trying times. And it lists them one by one throughout the Old Testament. And as it gets to the end of the list, it just lists the names because the stories become too rich, too big, And you can tell the writers just run out of time. So Hebrews 11, verse 32 says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions, They quenched the fire or the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom this world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens, and the Bible says, and in caves of the earth. These were great men and women who walked through storms trials, long periods of time of not seeing the vision become reality, having to trust God. They went through cave moments, but they believed, and this is what made them great. This is what brought them out. This is what transformed them. This is what enabled them to see the glory of God. And I love what it says in verse 39, that these all obtained a good testimony They had a good word spoken about them from God, from others, and it says, because of their faith. They lived with anticipation, even in the midst of their frustration, and it changed them. When you are going through your frustration, remember your anointing, but also remember you're in good company because the greatest men and women who are recognized in scripture as the icons of faith, they also walked through it. And they walked through it believing. They walked through it trusting. They walked through it not listening to the voices around them, not looking at their circumstances, but listening to the one who had called them. And this gave them their ability to keep anticipation that God was going to work over the frustration of what they'd seen in the past. This is how you walk forward with anticipation. We have some of what David wrote in the Psalms that tells us what his heart was like as he went through these 15 years. And I just imagine what it would have been like to have heard David cry out, to hear David pray, to hear David long for God's promises to be completed. I, I just imagine David praying for the people who were being abused by Saul. I just imagine David praying for the time when he could reign so he could set captives free. I just imagine David praying for what he had been anointed to do to come to pass in his life. I imagine David praying for his kingdom to come, for a new day, to arise. And that was His constant and persistent prayer for 15 years. It's no surprise to me that we come to the New Testament that when the disciples hear Jesus praying, they hear Him pray with such passion. They hear Him pray with such confidence. They hear Him pray with a certainty that they'd never heard before. And I've been in some situations like that where I've heard other people pray and I thought, wow, I almost feel like if I opened my eyes, I would see Jesus in the room right in that moment because they had a a confidence about them praying. They had a confidence about them when they were uh, crying out to the Lord. They talked to him like he was just right there and they had such an emotion and passion. So when the disciples heard Jesus praying, they said, Lord, can you teach us to pray like that? And they weren't talking so much about the words He used as much as the passion. But Jesus listened to them and Jesus answered them and He gave them instructions that I imagine would have been something like what David would have prayed. In Matthew chapter six, verse nine, Jesus said, Here, here's how you pray. You say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he went on and gave them instructions. But just that part right there fits so well in this series. Because we're talking about praying and living and walking in anticipation that God will bring his kingdom to bear out of the cave that we're in. And so when Jesus says, go ahead and pray. Pray with confidence, pray with certainty, and pray with the anticipation that your kingdom will come, that God's kingdom will come to reign, that his kingdom will swallow up all the other kingdoms of the world, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you imagine that? God's will being done on earth in the same way it is in heaven, because in heaven, his will is done perfectly. His will is done immediately. His will is done without any hesitation. His will is done without any resistance. His will is done without any sin being present. And so, Jesus says, you can pray in this way. Pray that God's kingdom would come. Pray that His will would be done here, the same way it is in heaven. Pray with that anticipation. Pray with that confidence. Pray with the certainty that what He said, He will bring to pass. You know, the most moving moments I've been in in prayer really have been since coming to Vertical Church. And it's been when we've gathered together as a church or some of our elders have gotten together because someone has called and said, I'm going through a difficult time right now. Whether it be something they were struggling with in their heart or if it was something they were struggling with in their body and those men got together and we prayed, or our church gathered together and we prayed, those moments when we verbalized, God, bring your will to bear here. Bring your kingdom to bear here. Those moments were some of the most powerful moments. They're the moments that unlocked anticipation in all the hearts of those who prayed and anticipation in the hearts of the one being prayed for. Oh, there's power when you verbalize it There's power when you internalize it, and there's power when you socialize it and you make it part of a group setting. This is how you unlock anticipation. This is how you believe with confidence. And this is how you walk forward and see God's kingdom come to bear in the midst of your time, even in the cave. So we come to the close of our message today and we are here in the Waxahachie City Cemetery. The first burial happened in this cemetery in 1852 on January 1st. Since that time, the four acre tract of land has expanded to over 60 acres. There are well over 10,000 graves here in this place. Cemetery is a place we come to where there is grief, loss, pain. It's the place we come to where we remember some things as believers. And this is why we come to this spot today for the close of our message. Because it is here as followers of Jesus Christ that we come and we grieve, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope, no anticipation. We come and we grieve but we grieve with anticipation. We look forward to something beyond this place. This cemetery will be the place that when the voice, of the archangel shouts that the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ will come up from their graves here and they will with us meet the Lord in the air So the place of our greatest pain and loss and grief becomes a place of our greatest anticipation. It becomes a place of our greatest hope. We look forward to what will happen even here in this place. And if you and I can take this place and see it as a place of hope, a place of anticipation, if here we can say, This is where our faith will become sight. This is where the grave will lose its sting. This is where we will see Jesus in the air. This is where we really will become more than conquerors over all things. That if we can have that kind of faith and anticipation in this place, then we can have anticipation and hope in our greatest times of suffering, even in our caves. If God can bring life from a grave, then he can bring hope out of your cave. Then he can bring a king out of your cave. He can bring a kingdom out of your cave. And what if this, what if this time when we are all having to shelter in place, when the world as we've known it has been changed, what if this time is the time that God is about to do something brand new? What if this is the time that the kingdom of God takes on new life? What if this is the time for revival to break out in our land? What if this is the time that the church reaches a new level of passion, a new level of boldness? Let us have that kind of faith Let us have anticipation for what God will do. Let us not be overcome by frustration today. Let us be a people of great faith. Let us be a people of anticipation and frame every event in your life, frame every relationship in your life, frame everything that's happening in your life right now with hope, faith, and the anticipation and the anointing that God will do what he has said he will do, and he will bring kingdoms out of our caves. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I am so thankful that even the places of our greatest pain are the places you will bring our greatest delight. That the place where we have experienced our greatest grief, we hold to with our greatest sense of anticipation and joy. And because of that, it changes how we see our world today. It changes how we see our lives. So God, infuse us with faith and anticipation. You are at work. You are present. You are bringing about your kingdom here In this world, we do pray for your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that with confidence. We pray that with anticipation and we watch to see what you'll do. And we pray this all in the strong, the mighty, the powerful, the resurrected name of Jesus. Amen.